Episode 8 of Talent Jackie. Hey, all right. Thanks for joining the show. My name is Sean Kelly. I don't know if I ever really mentioned my last name, but I am your host on Talent Jackie, and I the goal of the show is for me to provide uh, guidance, tips, advice to job seekers, hiring managers, and recruiters about the talent acquisition uh, back industry process steps. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, I was kind of like going, so some of the episodes I was talking about was kind of going through the steps and it almost, you know, I was thinking, well, I'll start out with the resumes and then I'll talk about, oh, helping the candidate kind of get noticed. And then, you know, maybe we'll just go through the steps like, okay, this is what a recruiter will do and meet with the hiring manager. And this is what the hiring manager will provide. And then this is what the recruiter will do next. And then kind of go through that. So I'm going to take a break from just that, that, that kind of process and that flow. So if you're kind of like wondering, oh, maybe he'll talk about oh, phone screens this week, uh, throwing you a curveball. And I just, you know, one thing, <clears throat> so this episode is not going to be roses, unfortunately. Uh, it's not going to be unicorns, roses, and glitter. Because what I get really tired of is hearing about bad recruiters. And I hear about it a lot. Um, and maybe a lot is relative, right? What is a lot? Is it three times a week, three times a day? So maybe it's not a lot, but it's enough to kind of irk me personally and professionally. Uh, I've even had people, you know, why? I don't understand. Help me understand. Why are recruiters like this? Or, oh, I got to, you know, I'll be on Facebook and somebody will get solicited by a recruiter and they will say, oh, let me tell you about my interaction. And then what happens is then the comments spring up on how bad recruiting is. Oh, you think that's bad? Let me tell you about this story. And part of me doing this podcast is to... First of all, thank you to the recruiters that really bust their humps in making things happen the right way and doing things the right way, listening to candidates, listening to hiring managers, vetting applicants correctly, and really have their heart in helping people. So this podcast is not for you, kind of. I think we need to help the industry. I think uh, the leaders, us, uh, highly qualified, highly professional recruiters, whether you're in staffing or in human resources, we need we need to yank those bad recruiters. And if we're working with them and they're a peer of ours, we need to yank them aside and say, look, you're a knucklehead. Quit being a knucklehead. And this is how we're going to – I'm going to help you not be a knucklehead. Now – I don't know. I, I used to work in customer service years ago. Um, I have quite a bit of customer service, actually. I worked in a, a huge retailer, had a service uh, center, and I scheduled service for their uh, their repair people to go out and fix things. 
Um, that's where I met my wife, actually. And they had lots of call centers. I want to say like five call centers across the nation. And the reason I bring this up is because I actually got into training some of those folks. Okay, so I started out, got on the floor. I went through training, got on the floor, started doing that position. And then I wanted to expand and started getting into, into training those people. Now, the center that I was attached to eventually closed before I became a full-fledged trainer. But nonetheless, I got some insight and, and provided things uh, to new hires, uh, training to new hires about customer service. And my wife and I would, you know, I met her there, but we would talk about it. And she was eventually a supervisor uh, at that um, organization in that call center, taking a particular shift. Uh, no, she did not manage me because um, we had kind of separate shifts. But regardless, one of the th- reason I bring up customer service is because I think there are some people that can do customer service really well. And either they're inherently a people person and they understand empathy and how to relate to a customer and how to fix a problem, right? The customer is going to call in, I have a problem. Customer service person with great customer service skills is great. Hey, I'm really sorry you have a problem. Let's get that taken care of for you, right? And then they approach it. It's really good. They've got good demeanor on the phone. Um, They get things taken care of and they see things through. Then there are some that aren't very good at that for whatever reason. Maybe they don't can't relate to the customer. Maybe they're kind of uh, maybe their brain wanders a little bit during the conversation and kind of lose track of what they need to do. Uh, maybe they're very cold. They just have a colder personality than some people. Some people have warmer personalities, and so that's not a knock necessarily on one the person that's not a good customer service person. Me being a recruiter of all people know knows that some positions are not good for everybody. It, it just we know that that we we refer to that as fit. Okay, they're not they weren't fit for the position. They weren't fit for that environment. It wasn't a good fit. So we use that, and a lot of that has to do with soft skills. Um, it's not that these people are, are any less intelligent or more intelligent than others. It's just if you're a customer service person, um, you have to have a set of soft skills. And if you're not that person, you're not going to do very well or you're misrepresenting the company or the the experience for the customer is not going to be very good. And I sincerely believe that recruiters are in that same boat. So that's why I go into the customer service diatribe and background is because I believe that there are people that are in recruiting that should not be in recruiting. Now, they may not realize it. They may never realize it. They may do it for 20 years and they may do an okay job. Um, but, but I, they mean somebody's, oh, they just really, some of the bad ones really, really mess up the industry for a lot of us um, that do want to make ourselves better in doing uh, recruiting and interacting with people. Yeah, there you go. That's the end of the show. Have a nice day. No, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. But so some of the people will say, well, why, Sean, are these, they're bad recruiters? I had an individual talk to me a couple days ago who said, hey, Sean, and, and this person confides in me. And says, uh, you know, I've been looking around for a position and I happen to know a couple people that 
this person knows. And that's why this person trusts me. That's which another discretion thing that comes um, with the role. But they asked me, why am I running into this? Or, you know, I, I happened to have this interaction the other day. Is this typical or is this just me? And they would explain some of those details and you know, I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure what to say. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to sum it up in this episode and, and try to provide explanation. I don't know, excuse. I don't, I don't even know what to tell you, honestly, but I'm going to try to elaborate on why there's bad recruiters in the industry, whether it's in human resources or staffing. And some people may disagree with me on these. Um, and some of these may not carry as much weight. So when we're considering some of this, um, it may not, you know. So why don't we get into that just a, in a bit here? Or let's just get move right on into that, right? Let's get on with it, Sean. Jeepers, creepers. All right. So one thing that is not always the case and again, this goes to how much weight this may carry in, in the recruiter being bad. Now, I guess if we're going to go into what makes a bad computer, or computer, a bad computer doesn't work. A bad recruiter is to define what a bad recruiter is. So what, what makes a bad recruiter? Bad, bad, I would start out with lack of follow-up. You are contacted by them, you're interested, and you never hear from them again. You apply to a position, and you never hear from the organization. Um, they will convey inaccurate details of a position or organization, uh, salary. So when... I, Sean, bad recruiter talks to you. I say, hey, I've got this position. It's going to be, you know, the salary is base 90K and you're going to be working for this organization and it's really great. And they're going to need this skill set, this skill set, and this skill set. And you're going to be working on this project. And they want to work and they want to get you started right away within the next couple of weeks. And they're really moving forward. And then what happens through those steps, you realize it's not a great company. They're in dire straits financially. The pay has now dipped down to 70K after meeting with the hiring manager, and they wonder why the recruiter conveyed 90K minimum um, starting base salary. And the skill set has also changed, and the project that the recruiter mentioned is not accurate. So that that is bad news. Now, in defense of the recruiter, sometimes a hiring manager or a client will change the details and not notify human resources or not notify the staffing firm and let them know, hey, oh, by the way, the budget changed. We can't afford a 90K person. We got to back down to 70K and they don't convey that to the recruiter. Now, the recruiter should call you know, the, the client to the floor and say, hey, you're not helping matters. You can't be doing that. You have to let me know about that information. Otherwise, it's going to be a bad, bad, bad candidate experience. And the candidate's going to take it out on the recruiter or they're going to take it out on the organization or they're going to take it out on the hiring manager. And I say take it out with just complaining about one of those three. And it's just 
bad publicity that you don't necessarily need. Bad reputation. All right. So that may be thing, uh, one thing. So lack of accurate information. Number three, they're going to have no idea what role they're actually recruiting for. They don't have a background for the position that they're recruiting for. So I, again, have a technical background. So my forte is technical recruiting. I deal with IT people all the time. I have been an IT person. Um, And so I think that lends itself to a certain level of expertise. I know finance individuals that have worked in finance. They've been CPAs. They've worked in public accounting and they do recruiting for finance. Now, can I do something else? Yeah, you bet. I can learn it. Sure. Am I going to be better than somebody that ink, you know, has done the position? Who knows? Maybe not. If they're, you know, maybe they've been customer service person all the time and they go into recruiter, but they don't know how to do recruiting itself. So this does, again, this is not a blanket, but you get folks that are, for example, recruiting information technology professionals and they don't know what SQL is. They don't know how to spell it. They don't know how to say it. They don't know what it stands for. And so when they started getting into questions, the candidate does is like, I am talking to somebody. I'm like talking to my sister or a cousin who doesn't work in IT and I'm trying to explain things and they don't get it. And they're going to take my information and relay it to a hiring manager. And they're and if it's misinterpreted, they're going to make me sound like an idiot, right? I'm conveying notes. They're going to convey my information to the hiring manager. And if they don't convey it accurately, that's going to come back on the candidate. And it's going to make the candidate look like an idiot. And the candidate knows this. So this is one of their beefs, right? So that's another bad thing, um, what, what I would consider a bad recruiter. Another one is that they are just playing the numbers game, right? They don't really care. I got pinged on LinkedIn. I mentioned this a few episodes ago. Hey, Sean, um, I saw your background. I'm looking for a Ruby on Rails developer. I think you'd be awesome for this position. And I'm like, no, I have Ruby on Rails in my LinkedIn profile. So that way, if somebody else uh, was looking for a recruiter, or I was dabbling at the time, honestly, but I wasn't using that terminology to land a position. It was just kind of saying like, hey, I'm a dabbler in Ruby on Rails in case people were like, hey, I just want to know more about Sean. And I emailed the recruiter back and I got no reply. And frankly, I was just trying to say, hey, look, I don't know where you got that info. It's really not my background. Kind of helping, again, make a recruiter a better recruiter, but they don't care. They didn't care who responded, all snide and with negative comments or constructive criticism. They're going on to the next one. It's a numbers game. So that's another one. So I could go on and on about different things that make up the qualities of a bad recruiter and defining bad. But let's get into why now those things come to fruition. One of them is understaffed. There's human resources um, organizations where they may not even have a recruiting department. You know, they have an HR generalist do the position and then they meet with the hiring manager. Now, I love HR generalists. I've worked with them and they're very good at what they do. And a lot of them have had to recruit talent. It's just part of their role. A lot of organizations can't have a dedicated recruiter or they can't afford a staffing firm to find somebody and actually do what it takes to find a really good, well-qualified individual. But if you're understaffed and you're, you have a huge amount of rec load, something's going something's gonna to have to give. You can't give everybody the same attention as if uh, you are at a standard load. And when I say rec load, that's requisitions, open positions that somebody's working on. 
Okay. When I, when I started at an organization, uh, I think the amount of requisitions was like 40. The industry average should be, uh, at the time, and for the industry I was recruiting for, anywhere between, oh, I want to say 15 is the sweet spot, but it could have been as high as 20. So double my rec load. And it was ridiculous. And so what happened is, you know, I'd come in and uh, it, it was, a, you know, the, the client base was clearly upset. They're, they weren't getting their needs um they weren't getting their needs met as far as personnel and getting people in to help them get things done. Um, staffing firms had resumes flying all over the place. You know, they had multiple multiple people that would interact with them. Oh, I'm going to help you this time. Oh, and a week later, that person's gone and another person's coming in and asking questions because they didn't have any knowledge transfer of what the hiring manager needed. And it was a complete debacle. So when I came in, I said, here's the deal. I know things really suck right now, but what I'm going to do is I'm just sending, I'm going to send you resumes. I'm just going to throw them over to you. So that's not good. That's not a good thing. But what I was trying to do is just get the wheels rolling. And eventually that would stop. And I told them, look, this is not long-term. You know, it is going to be different. But if you're not seeing anybody, I need to get you seeing people right away so we can get some of these going. And they understood. And then things changed over time. But under, you know, if you're understaffed and you're overloaded, um, that's one reason why a recruiter is just going to short step stuff. And when they short step, that's things like uh, bad things happen. All right. I think another reason is because I think there's a perce- uh, there's a lack, there's a perceived lack of value. Perceived lack of value? Am I phrasing that right? I don't think there are organizations, management, and not all, okay? So if you're... If you, so if I know people that are listening to this and like, oh, really? Well, okay, I see how it is, Sean. What I'm saying is that there are some organizations and individuals that do not value recruiting. They think they're order takers. Um, they may think that it doesn't take much to be a recruiter. And so they they have this, um, there is no, there's no, they don't find the value in recruiting. Anybody can do it. You're just going to post the job. Um, you're going to read them a bunch of, you're going to, you know, ask a bunch of questions. You're going to give them over to me. And then I'm the hiring manager. I'm the one that's really going to be doing all the grunt work, which is not the truth at all. But with that perceived, you know, that lack of value, um, then there's, you know, lack of funding. They're not going to pay well-qualified recruiters because they're going to command uh top dollar. So they'll get somebody who can just, Hey, you're an admin here, do this. You're a recruiter now you're, or you're going to be doing a recruiting function temporarily until we get this position filled. All right. That's a problem. Sometimes there isn't even a dedicated recruiter, right? So we get an HR generalist that has probably staffed, you know, no question. There's plenty of organizations where HR generals have to step up. You know, maybe there's not a lot of uh, attrition or turnover, um, and so the HR generalist, oh, opening, okay, I can take out some time on my schedule, meet with the hiring manager, get the job description and posting, post it up there. And as they come in, field those and move them over. And maybe the position, the amount of positions they need to fill is relatively low at any given time. Maybe there's one, you know, people don't leave every six months. And it's a company of 50 people so that it would make no sense for that organization to have a dedicated recruiter. But they may go to staffing for a temporary need. And that can work with the HR generalist. 
or just the hiring manager directly. So, but what I'm trying to say is that in some organizations, they throw a person that may not be doing recruiting all the time and it's not their forte. It's part of their, it's just a small part of their job. And there's a big difference between doing something that's just a small part. of. I mean, there's a difference between me mowing my lawn and then hiring a landscaper. Let's face it, right? I can go out and mow my lawn, cut down the grass, but I'm not going to go out there and make it look like a, a golf course. Like some of those professionals out there make it all really nice. Also, um, staffing recruiters, they can be thrown to the wolves or they don't have time to develop the right skills. And I say throw to the wolves where they'll hire, they're hi, they'll hire an individual and they'll give them basic training, not like military, but basic training skills like, hey, this is how we work. Here's the workflow. Uh, go at, have at it. And they don't develop the right person, people skills. We're dealing with people, not widgets. Hey, this person ordered a purple, purple nurple widget. Pretty easy. Well, what is that, big, small? Okay, well, no problem. Let me write that down. I'll have order fulfillment, send it out. Nope. I mean, there's, you know, going through training. That's I have to give, uh, if if some of my old staffing uh, comrades are listening to this, I, I will give all the credit in the world to some of the, development that I had and some of the training that I had in staffing. I had a, I worked for a good organization um, that really provided some top-notch training. Now, it wasn't right away, but it was rather quickly in after I got hired, maybe a month, because uh, they go with their cycles. But, I mean, I was in there, and I learned a lot, and I developed them over time, and then I went into, I went to more training. So, organizations, staffing firms, you got to invest in good recruiters. And I even think sometimes you you probably have to send them to an actual training that has to do with your customer base. So for example, you know, if you're going to recruit for actuaries, go to send the recruiter to learn about actuarial science. Why not? But it's people. We're dealing with people. And so it really does come down to how do you relate to people? How do you mirror people? When I do a phone screen with somebody who starts off the phone interview and they take charge of it and they're going to move chop, 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 go, hey, okay, I get in a really hurry. Let's go. What do you need to know, Sean? I'm going to get things going rather quickly. I'm going to mirror how they act and I'm going to get them going. Now, I'm going to try to keep control of that conversation and, and phone screens are a whole different story, but you mirror that person, right? You're not going to take your time. You're not going to drag it out. You're not going to make small talk. You're going to get to the point. Now, there's others that like to be uh, a little wine and dine during a conversation. So that's different. That's people skills and that even goes to customer service. And so if you get that down, you can gain rapport, um, and the situation and the experience changes dramatically. And sometimes recruiters need to have those skills uh, acquired through training. Low cost of entry is another one. Anyone with a pulse and a computer can do recruiting nowadays. Um, I don't think so because they're terrible. But let's face it, I've, I've worked with recruiters. I'm like, man, this person must be working out of their basement. They're combing. They comb monster you know, I had, I'll give you an example. I get their resume. I send it over to the hiring manager. And this is, I'm working with a staffing firm. I'm having a hard time finding this position. We have a vendor. Vendor's been, you know, I'll do it. I can do it. I can do it. When, can, when are you going to give me a shot? So I give him a shot, sends me over a person's resume, send it over to hire manager. Hire manager says, yeah, I want to talk to this person. 
Okay, set up phone screen, phone screen's done. Hiring manager comes back and says, hey, I don't know if you know this or if you talk to this candidate yourself, but, and I left it up to the staffing firm. I'm like, why am I going to do the same thing they've done? So I'm going to just pass it along to the uh, hiring manager. Hiring manager comes back and says, hey, they have these skills listed on there. And I asked them about how they developed those skills or what their experience is with that particular platform. And they said they didn't have it which is bad news. So then I got to go back to the staffing guy and say, hey, I don't know what the deal is, but the information that's on this resume, and of course, every resume that this person sends over to me is always in the same format, always, which leads me to say that whether the candidate is writing it or not, the staffing firm is switching it into a template, and if they, they're doing that, to me, it just leaves more questions on whether or not they're keeping everything accurate when they do that translating over into a template. I mean, I have to, then I scratch my head when the, the hiring manager comes back and says, I asked them about this and they said they don't have any experience with it. Well, then why is it on their resume? Somebody put it on there. That's bad news. That that really goes to integrity and that's something that the recruiting industry does does I have no tolerance for that. So uh you know that whole nother conversation. But yeah, I mean this person could be out on Monster and see this person just pull it down and say, "Oh, I got a good person" and send it over to a client and they may have never spoken to the individual whose resume they sent over. I mean they're working in their mom or dad's basement or their own basement for that matter. You know, and maybe they then the client say, "Yeah, I'm interested." So then I'm I'm going to go and spend my time doing what I need to to get this candidate. And if it doesn't work, I just go back to the hiring manager and say, "Hey, it didn't work. He got another job, or she got another job." They'll never know. Well, you hope they never know. So yeah, smarminess, all about smarminess. Next thing, software can do it. Some people are talking about big data. You know, you got these uh, applicant tracking systems, a person applies, goes through, looks at keywords. I mean, I've read articles about, oh, here's how you got to write your resume because you got to have keywords in it so that it can get through that first screen because it's going to detect all the keywords. And if it scores a certain rank, it'll get to the next, per- the next step, whether that's the recruiter or hiring manager. So software can do it. Robots are going to do recruiter's jobs. I've heard that too. I think it's all a bunch of crack, but it, it, it may not be far off. I mean, data... There is something to be said about data, but I think data is great if I need to call and activate my credit card, if I need to just call in and like put in a few numbers uh, or order a product. But we're dealing with people here, folks. Recruiters, hiring managers, and job applicants are all people. They're not widgets. And so anything can go wrong at any time. And as a matter of fact, data can change. I mean, even if the data is like solid and consistent, I'm Sean. I don't like the color red tomorrow. Boom, done. Wow, we've got so much data that says he does. Well, I'm a person. I changed my mind. So software can do it. That's an issue. Um, so let's just do software. And then, you know, we'll have Sally or John just, you know, route things. And if there needs to be a conversation, they can talk, but they're not, they're not going to have what, if you remove software, the recruiter has to do certain things. And when they do that, they're going to get better, hopefully, over time. Anyways, ooh, I get passionate. Can you tell? Time to do a great job takes money. Here's the deal. 
if I take a candidate and I talk to that person for 15 minutes and I talk to another candidate with the same background and experience and it takes me an hour, but the result is the same. I still get paid the same whether I talk to him for 15 minutes or I talk to him for an hour. What is the recruiter going to do? They're going to talk to him for 15 minutes, get what they need and go on. So in order to provide great quality candidates and great quality customer service and just quality experience overall, it does take time. And if you're taking time, it's going to cost money, right? Time and money, they go hand in hand. So what happens is you go, hey, I want to work. Hey, so if I'm in a staffing firm, staffing firms sometimes have to bend to the will of the or- of an organization. So say they got, they're working with a 4,000 yeah, 4,000 person employer in the area, 6,000, 50, doesn't matter. And they say, well, we're not, you, what's your, what's your fee? And the staffing firm says, we charge 25%. And the company says, we're not wanting to pay that. If you want to work with us, you're not going, the max you can charge us is 20% or 15%. Now, some, some staffing places will say, well, we got to do what you got to do. That's a good company. They, they'd use a lot of temporaries and contractors and they don't have internal recruiting. So we're going to, we will have a decent amount of uh, book of business, but I'll tell you what, um, company, if you're looking to drive that down, if I was the staffing firm, I'm going to take my person to the people that are going to pay me the 25%. And if they pass, you can actually look at them then. Because to me, then it's not, and then I put my work in with the person that's going to pay me what I want. So it takes money, folks. It really does. So, you know, I, I applaud some of the recruiters I talk to. And I have been the person in HR that is, I've worked with vendors and I say, hey, look, we're we're not going to pay you what you're looking for. And they say, okay, Sean, I'll be here if you need me, but I, I can't budge. And you know what? I'm like, good. I, I can respect that. And frankly, when all the other recruiters are racing to the bottom and they're not doing anything for me, I'll go to that person and say, hey, because I'm, I'm sure they do a great job because they can afford to. They know that they're going to get paid a certain amount. And for that amount, they're going to work for it. Some of them don't have to. I'm just going to throw, uh, you know, candidates at the wall and see who sticks. Nah, doesn't work. No good. All right. Uh, recruiters don't often have the training for the industry they recruit for. They don't know the lingo. They don't know the processes. They don't know how the industry works. You know, what makes a good, insert industry name here, person, recruiting person. Uh, as a matter of fact, I saw on ERE.net, uh, hard to find recruiting skills. And I have the article up in front of me. I'll put it in the show notes. But I was uh, I was kind of hit close to home because a lot of it is technical in nature. So recruiting skill, do you have skills or are you looking for them? How are you finding conditions in your market? And the recruiting skill is like software as a service, 82. Technical recruiting, 79. And I, th- I don't know if it's a scale of um, on like 1 to 100. But what it is outlining is, if you have experience doing some of these technical roles and you're a recruiter, you're going to go a lot further. You're going to get big, you know, higher pay. That's the skills when, uh, say, so, I mean, if Google's looking for a recruiter, they may even look for somebody that's done the jobs that they're going to recruit for. Um, 
and I've mentioned this again, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but you know, I think recruiters need to start learning more about the industry that they're recruiting for. And over time, they'll get it. Sometimes they, it, it just takes them a long time. The problem is they may burn a lot of bridges before they get to that, right? They start out, they don't have that knowledge. It takes a long time for them to build up that knowledge. And meanwhile, while they don't have that knowledge, they're, they're ticking candidates off or hiring managers or both. Companies are not willing to pay. Again, it goes back to my example like, hey, we're not going to pay your fee. Not, not, not what you want. You're gonna, we're going to pay what we want. Well, that's no good because you're just going to, you're settling for second or third best because somebody else out there may pay my, my fee and that's where I'm going to go with my people first. Same with human resources. Human resources, if you want good recruiters, uh, sometimes, you know, then you got to, you got to pay, you got to pay for them. I mean, if you just want order takers, you can get anybody to do that. Uh, But you're not going to have, you know, candidates with real good, you know, candidate experience. They're going to come into the organization. Something might not have been vetted properly. And then you're going to have attrition. People are going to leave because they're not, I'll deal with this. I thought it was kind of more like this role, but I'll take it. And the offer was fine. And then after six months or a year, they're going to go, yeah, things aren't changing. And it's not really the role I signed up for. I'm out of here. I don't know. But some that's some of the things. So recruiters, you know, one thing I didn't elaborate on is us, uh, uh, you know, us senior, I don't even know if some of us are senior, but are the good recruiters. You, I'm talking to you. If you're a good recruiter, and I know you are, and this whole episode does not involve you because you know what it takes to be good in, in the industry and some of the skills you need and how to approach people, you know, whether it's a candidate or a hiring manager or a client, great, good on you, thank you for, but you got to represent. You got to step up and you got to take these knuckleheads uh, aside and say, hey, look, you're you're portraying this incorrectly. You're not, You let's talk about this. Let's go through an exercise and how to mirror people. Um, what to divulge, uh, what to divulge on the phone, what not to divulge, um, you know, to alleviate any confusion or, hey, did you get back to these people? Why or why not? You need to do that because it's going to ruin stuff for me because I'm working for the same company you are. So quit screwing up my can't, you know, candidate experience. So if you don't treat them right, I'm going to have people not apply to my jobs either. So I think as a whole, recruiters, uh, we really need to step up our game and help out the and address uh, some of the folks that ruin it for everybody. And, you know, managers, you need to be up on top of this. If you've got staff that is just not doing it the right way, you need to address it. It's going to be your organization's reputation on the line. Ah, man, I get my ooh, get my blood boiling. Hey, I want to thank you for tuning in uh, to Talent Jockey again. If you like what you hear, do me a favor, write a review on iTunes. It helps get me added some uh, added exposure on there and brings my uh, show to the attention of others that may be looking for some of this assistance and advice. Otherwise, I will let you go. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Hey.